Hey, everyone. You know, I laughed at myself as I read through these chapters 8 and 9 of Humility. Um, moving from the previous chapters about our habits of reflection, as I started reading chapter 8, titled Identifying Evidences of God's Grace, I immediately started thinking to myself, man, I'm already doing this in my life. I see, I'm seeing God's grace to me everywhere. And then a page or so in, I realized the focus was not meant to be on me, but on others. So I obviously have room here to grow too. Continuing in this chapter, I realized this isn't a small matter. It's actually a reflection of my self-absorption, because here I am thinking about myself still. And it drew to mind a popular C.S. Lewis quote about humility, where he says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. He's describing an others-oriented posture of heart. And in conjunction with this chapter, it's other-oriented other to see God's work in imperfect others. And why is that humility? Mahaney argues from Paul's letter to the Corinthians that it takes humility to see grace in others who need adjustment. Paul starts with what is true of those in Christ and allows this to shape his perspective of those younger in the faith who needed correction and encouragement. So often, I think we talk about how to rightly correct each other, but we don't talk about that correction in the context of how we ought to encourage each other. And as we study Scripture, we know more and more what is true of us in Christ. We are adopted, forgiven, beloved through God's grace that we receive by faith in Jesus. God has given us new hearts, put his spirit in us, given us gifts for which we can use to build up the new, build up the new family that he's put us in. Much of our personal discipleship is learning to grow in these areas of our new identity, and rightly so. But we must continue to think about these identities as they are true of our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we are speaking with another believer, these massive truths of identity are true of them as well. They are beloved children, adopted by God, recipients of God's grace, and operating out of, a, out of a newly transformed heart. So we start by seeing our brothers and sisters in the way that God sees them, adopted, beloved, and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And right away, I think you can begin to see how this changes our relationships with each other, right? We know, as a matter of their being adopted by God's grace, that these brothers and sisters are being made new. They are being conformed more and more into Christ's likeness. We know that God is at work in them. And so, to the extent that we know them, we should be able to see God at work in them. And this is the heart of God-centered encouragement towards others. When we say to one another, I see God at work in you, it reminds us both that it is God who is working and he is the one who should get the glory for that work. Practically, as we try to live this out, Mahaney encourages us to be on the lookout for the fruit of the Spirit at work in the lives of others, and when we speak to someone, to frame it as specifically as possible. John, it was so great to see the way in which you patiently and faithfully cared for Susan over the last few months. I see God at work at you in making you a loving husband. And while we're talking about specifics, I really appreciated how he highlighted the frequency and regularity that we should be encouraging others. If you can't remember the last time you specifically sent an encouragement to somebody, then it's been too long. On page 107, he says, if you haven't encouraged your children this week, it's been too long. Man, I'll tell you, that, that hit me hard and encouraged me to, to be more regular in my encouragement of others. Now, some might say, I'm just not an encouraging person. It's not my personality. And in fact, I said this too a few years ago. And if I'm honest, at the time, it was true. I was pretty terrible at encouraging others. To a large degree, 
I wasn't encouraging because I was too critical of myself and therefore of others, stemming from the fact that I wasn't seeing the love of God for myself or the love of God for others correctly. But even when I wanted to encourage others, I wasn't great at it. But by God's grace, I had a friend point out to me the character of Jesus and reminded me that we're meant to be growing into his image, which meant that even my quote-unquote natural personality of cynicism, which is sinful, would still be changed to reflect the fruit of the Spirit as I looked at the way that God loved me and what that loved entails. And this is why I think there are so many encouragements for us to love one another as Christ has loved us. He has shown us how to love, and we're instructed to do the same. Just a quick sampling of these instructions of one another's that are framed in this way. John 13, 14, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. John 13, 34, Jesus speaking, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Romans 15, 7 Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Or Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So whether or not you are naturally an encouraging person, and perhaps especially if you are not an encouraging person, we should be seeking to model with others what Jesus has modeled for us in the ways in which he has loved us and welcomed us, forgiven us. And lastly, I want to consider how we build this into the ethos and the culture of our communities. Being this kind of people is totally countercultural, and so we'll have to be intentional if we want to see this happen. I think we can shape the culture of our communities in three ways. First, And not surprisingly, it starts with us as leaders. As we seek to encourage those in our communities, they'll learn by example what it looks like to give and receive godly encouragement. Secondly, I think it's important that we talk about it as a community. We're commanded in Scripture to love, encourage, and forgive one another. And many times, that commandment has a timeline, namely, every day. It helps if you talk about it after you've been practicing it. And once you talk about it with everyone, you'll have to keep on it as well. Uh, which is for the good. And third, commit as a community to make this a norm. Our community has been practicing, and I'm hoping we'll commit to it uh, as a continual effort for every person to send one encouragement, whether that be a prayer, a scripture, or identifying an evidence of grace, to at least one other person directly once a week. Another way to keep this forefront for the community is to make this part of your icebreaker time. I've observed many of you uh, use a question similar to this to start your time together. Um, What is an evidence of grace that you've experienced this week? Perhaps that's your all-the-time question or part of your rotation of questions, but either way, it keeps the identification of evidences of grace forefront. And related to that, another way that I think that we can build this into our community rhythm is not just to reflect on on the evidences of grace in our own lives, um, but to share encouragements from everyone to one person. For example, if a member of your community is getting ready to move and they're going to join another community, it's entirely appropriate and good to spend some time in that gathering to let them share, to encourage them, and to pray for them. I've seen communities do this where everyone present shares one encouraging thing about the person who's leaving, 
And I've seen it also done as more of an open forum. And of course, it doesn't have to be only when someone's leaving. It could be as a person shares their testimony on a rotation in your community. The point is less about the mechanics and more about the regularity of the encouragement and encouraging each other uh, to encourage one another. So I hope these chapters have given you some practical things to put in place for your community. I'd love to hear how it's going. Please share as you take these steps in these directions, um, and let's encourage each other with the results. Please pray with me now. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the manner of which you've loved us by sending your son to live the perfect life and to show us how to love, how to welcome, how to forgive, and then that he would die, that we might be adopted into your family. I pray that you'd build a countercultural ethos of encouragement into our communities for your glory and our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.